Sites and Monuments Record for Syria is a project I've been involved in for several years and uh, the Shirin project, I, I'm really here to explain what Shirin is and who is involved in it. So I want to talk about why we need a comprehensive, accurate inventory of archaeological or heritage sites in Syria and what is being done to support the creation of this. I will talk a little bit about Shirin, the international organisation, who it is, who its members are, and then talk a little bit about some of the specific contributions that Shirin in particular would like to make in the present crisis affecting Syria. And I am focusing only on Syria at the moment, not Iraq, not Yemen, but a lot of the same issues apply there. So why is a sites and monuments record? That's the term that's used in UK archaeology. Every county archaeologist keeps a sites and monuments record. Why do we need one of these in Syria? Well, what it does, it holds, your SMR holds basic information on each known site. Names, location data, different components, date, who's worked there, basically what it is. And in most cases, there'll be a GIS layer with spatial data as well. So it provides up-to-date information on known heritage sites. And in the UK, it's used as part of the planning control system when roads are built, when new housing estates are built. That's what you go to. So how do you use an SMR? Well, this is a film. Uh, this is a satellite image of Syria, just south of Homs, Lake Katina there. Imagine a 15 kilometer new highway is proposed. There's the route of your new highway. How do you know if there's archeology span in the way? You go to the sites and monuments record and that, has the microphone gone off? No, you can hear me. Okay. Right. Okay. So you go to the Sites and Monuments record and you get all the green, the green indicators are known sites. And from that, you can work out that there are actually seven sites which are close enough to the root of that new road to be affected by it. Now, it's probably not feasible to ex excavate or protect all of them. But so you need to know what the seven sites are like size, date, condition, and then make a decision about which are significant, where you might want to invest resources. And there are various criteria for making these kind of decisions. But to do this, you need to refer to a wider knowledge of what is already known and what isn't known. What do you know? What don't you know? Where are the gaps? So in this case, you would have seven sites. And all I've done here is given the nature of the site, whether it's a mounded tell or a flat site, whether the standing stone-built architecture and the date. And with this kind of evidence, you can decide which are the priorities, perhaps for full-scale excavation, which are in such poor condition that there's not much to be done, which might need to be surface collected or have test pits put into them. And decisions can be made on various bases. It may be the value for the tourist industry, it might be the information value. If you know a lot about Islamic period settlement in that area, but nothing about the Neolithic, you might decide the Neolithic site is where you should focus your resources. Could be the importance to the local people. It might be that particular sites are important in terms of national history, even though the remains themselves are not terribly significant. For expansion of modern settlements, SMRs tell you they help prioritize when settlements are spreading by indicating the areas you should avoid. And in this case, this village, if you look just at the top of the village, there are two sites. I haven't got a mouse. There are some known sites here. 
So you would try not to expand settlement in that area, but perhaps to the other, at the southern edge of the town here. So that's what an SMR does. And then you can send out your people, your inspectors, to go and visit, describe sites, update the information in the SMR. If there appear to be no sites in a particular area in your SMR, well, you, you want to know, is that because people have looked and there's nothing, or is it because nobody's looked? And in many parts of the world, even in some parts of Britain, there are gaps in our knowledge. And again, that tells you whether you need to go and look before, any further, uh, before for example, your road is built. How does this relate to Syria? Well, as of 2011, when all of us working in field projects in Syria had to stop, there was no systematic national inventory for Syria. And without such a resource, efforts to manage, protect and prioritise Syria's heritage and to deal with a whole range of threats are held back. And threats can be destruction through uh, looting, war and also development neglect, agriculture. One of the things that has been happening is that without central government control, people you know, are, are site being looted, people are using buildings are expanding over sites where people can build, all kinds of things are happening that wouldn't have happened while central control was in place. So an SMR will give you a list of known heritage sites that should be monitored, monitored for damage assessment. One of the problems at the moment is everybody, uh, a lot of people are looking at the same handful of sites, Palmyra, Apamea. There are huge numbers of sites about which very little is known. People don't know to what extent they are being looted. Uh, it makes it possible to assess the situation in different areas and undertake the protection efforts that will be essential. And to my mind, this is important during the period of reconstruction. In all of these Middle Eastern countries, reconstruction will come and that's when the tarmac, the concrete starts being poured, new roads are built, hospitals are built, new housing has to be built. And the, there will be a lot of pressure to push development through quickly because it's urgently needed. But you need also to know where the heritage is, what has to be protected. Otherwise, a lot will disappear in the haste to rebuild. So it lets heritage managers distinguish between what is important, what is not important, what is known and where there are genuine gaps. So it will also help meet the expectations of international donor organisations because they expect there to be mechanisms in place for the protection of cultural heritage in the same way as environmental impact assessments are generally required. So are cultural heritage impact assessments. And again, you can only do that if you know what you've got. And it will also provide vital information on what places looked like. For example, when it comes to the argument over new build versus reconstruction in urban areas. You can imagine post-war in places like Syria, there will be a lot of pressure to rebuild Aleppo, rebuild Homs. There may be large amounts of money coming in from the inside to build huge shopping malls, um, big administrative complexes, and the antiquities people will be under a lot of pressure. If they want to argue for reconstruction or for excavation prior to rebuilding, they need to know what they've got and they need to have that information at the fingertips because the development pressures will be very strong. Now, a proportion of the information required to create an SMR for Syria exists and it exists within survey data collected by various research projects who've been working there in recent decades. 
And the project I'm involving in has been seeking to create an SMR by initially combining data from uh, the Fragile Crescent project when I was involved in directing, which was based at Durham, funded by the Arts and Humanities Research Council, and a French project known as Projet Paleocia, um, funded by the, uh, the French Research Agency, again, run at practically the same time as us. And between them, they have quite a large coverage of Syria. Not all of it by any means, but there's a lot of data within those two databases. But the databases were not designed for heritage manage management purposes. They were for research projects. They're not necessarily easy to use or manipulate. The Peleusia one is in French, Fragile Crescent is in English, and so on. But that will provide the basis of a SMR to which other data can be added. And the yellow boxes give you a rough indication of the coverage of the Fragile Crescent surveys. And as you can see, there are many areas not covered. Some parts of northern Iraq are included as well, but uh, there's still quite a lot of ground covered. That's roughly where Projet Paleocere covered, a lot of western Syria, whereas we covered part of western Syria and quite a lot of the north. So bringing this data together, you have the basis of a substantial SMR. To fill in the gaps, you turn to remote sensing and the three yellow circles show sites. These are visible as soil marks. This is Corona 1960s old space satellite data. Those dark patches are soil reflectance differences. And you can see the same sites on the ground here, where what you see is actually light soil, light coloured soil, which for some reason, which we don't fully understand, uh, ploughed out archaeological sites often tend to have lighter soils, they dry out faster than the natural geological soils around them. On this imagery, they appear as dark because we've always found it easier to see things on the negatives rather than the positives. So that's how you can start to fill in the gaps, locating what's not known. Structures, sites like this give a very different response. This is in areas where you build in stone rather than mud brick. But again, you can pick these up on imagery. So it's possible to map a lot from the imagery. Uh, what the data then has to be accessible and we we are uh, starting to put data into a cultural resource management package called Arches which has been used by a couple of other projects as well and the idea is to make the data uh, interchangeable but this is when the fun starts when you start pulling data from different sources together there's a lot of manual data checking and variation required you have to think about the SORI toponyms common terms otherwise the extraction of information from the database goes horribly wrong. If you viewed circular and somebody else has used round, yes. When you start to combine data from different sources, it adds its own problems. The yellow dots are sites recorded from my own survey around Homs. The black triangles are data that the ASOR, the American project, collected from published sources. And as you can see, some of them are quite close Others are not. The second arrow is about 800 metres away from the site. There are other sites. These arrows point to sites that we have struggled to find. So there's quite a big difference between what's in the published record and what's actually been encountered on the ground. Now, who's currently involved in this field? The American Schools of Oriental Research have a project largely funded through the State Department, which is trying to create a an S material for an SMR. They're using remote sensing, Archer's database, published data. The problem they have is because of their funding basis, they cannot deal directly with anything that any organisation that is seen as part of the Syrian regime. 
and that includes the Directorate General of Antiquities. There are other US groups as well because there were several tranches of funding. Some of them had close links to opposition groups, others less so. Some are working on training Syrians, others passing back information on destruction. But it's not entirely clear how all of these groups are functioning, exactly how they relate to the ASOR initiative. The Directorate General in Syria begun after the crisis, they'd begun finally to create a National Archaeological Inventory. They've used an Oracle database, so it's not web accessible. And initially it was in Arabic only, though I think they're in the process of trying to make it English Arabic. But originally it was designed to be used only in Damascus from the DJEM offices. And the risk is pretty clear if that particular building is hit. So they now have it backed up on the cloud somewhere. And this draws on the DJEM's, DJEM's records, the paper records and the CDs and information they've been given. UNESCO have a Syria programme. They're trying to bring on board groups who can create tools for the protection of heritage or provide training. But UNESCO have a limited budget. The difficulty with UNESCO is they then go back to the people and say, well, this is great. Can you do it? Then you go back to UNESCO and say, yes, it will cost you this much. And UNESCO say, ah. The German Archaeological Institute in Berlin do have money, one of the few groups that does. And they're currently providing training and support for the DJAM project but it's not entirely clear how that relates to what other groups are doing. Then there are ICOMOS, who have an interest in this, the International Council of Monuments and Sites, Heritage for Peace that Emma Cunliffe will talk about, and uh, Bob Bewley's Yamina project. So there's a whole bunch of groups overlapping to some extent. There's a lot of information out there, but it, there has to be agreement as to how it should be pulled together, how it should be accessed, who should access it, and things like that. And some of that gets into quite tricky political waters. Shireen. Who are Shireen? It's called Syrian Heritage in Danger, an international research initiative and network shot into Shireen. What is it? What's it trying to do? And who is involved? Well, it was created in 2014 as an initiative from the research community working in archaeology, art, history, the ancient Near East. And it brings together many of the research teams that had worked in Syria prior to 2011. And its particular aim is to make their specialist expertise available to wider heritage protection projects. One of the things that I have found, not exactly depressing, but I suppose to be honest, other, and it's not just me that's commented on this, that a lot of the, the, the heritage projects being proposed have relatively few people involved with them that have any real experience of working in Syria. I've been asked to review grant applications for things like EU funding schemes and I've seen project applications coming in where there's hardly anyone who's got any experience of Syria. For some, it's become a bandwagon. So Shireen is interested in bringing the expertise of people who, some of whom have had 30 years of experience in Syria and bringing that specialist knowledge to feed into other initiatives. So it represents the major research institutions in Europe, North America, uh, Oceania, and East and West Asia. And its aim is to support government bodies and NGOs in their efforts by bringing the knowledge uh, of the Shireen people to, uh, to bear. And it, it, its intention is to respond, and this, this line is from the website, to the needs of Syrian colleagues and authorities, regardless of the political, religious, or ethnic affiliation. 
and uh, you know various current projects are one way or another hamstrung because of politics. So the, the purpose of Shireen is to bring the expertise of its members, basically the working archaeologists, people with the knowledge of Syria, to heritage protection. And there's a website that the uh, URL is down at the bottom here. So its key priorities are providing archaeological experience, expertise, knowledge of ancient architecture, standing buildings. And this can be used to evaluate the provenience of illicitly excavated or purchased artifacts to producing damage assessments to sites because the Shirin people know these sites, they often know particular landscapes very closely, very intimately, and creating a database of sites and artifacts. So Shirin has created a damage form for use in assessing damage to sites, buildings, even excavation houses where materials are stored, and the forms are completed with the aid of recent satellite imagery, generally by project directors who actually know the sites that they're looking at rather than people that don't know very much about them. And so far, I think about 130 sites have been processed. This does rely on access to high resolution imagery. And you might think it's easy, but it's not. High resolution imagery is expensive. Some of the bodies that have access to it have not been particularly uh, keen to make it widely available for one reason or another. But currently, they're negotiating access to imagery through the, that's being made available to ASOR. Another of the projects is to try and create a general inventory of artefacts in the museums of Syria. This is really in response to the threat of looting and destruction at the museums. And if the stuff, the material was properly catalogued with photographic records, it would make it much easier to identify stuff when it comes on the art market. So the idea is, and this is a long term project, is to produce a database of the inventories of all of the museums in Syria working closely with the Directorate-General, UNESCO and other uh, relevant bodies and also the excavators of uh, the, the uh, directors of major excavations. Um, the directors of excavations generally kept photographic records at the end of every season so they know what was handed into the museums and those photographic records should be able to feed into this database. The main source for the database will be the official registers of the museums provided by the DJAM. The truth is at the moment, a lot of the registers are paper, the big paper volumes with contact prints stuck in. It will be annotated and boosted by materials supplied by the uh, by excavation directors. And the final product is to have an illustrated list with standard information for items which could be made accessible through the internet, which would theoretically make it much easier to check and identify material as it comes on the market. But this project is a big project, a long-term project, and it's currently in its initial stages. And then the third Shireen element is the Sites and Monuments record that I've spoken about. So who is it? There's an executive board. Um, Frank Bremer is the president and from the CNRS in, uh, in Nice. Andrew Jemison from Melbourne, secretary. The vice president, Hartmut Kuhne from Berlin. And I'm treasurer which I found out quite recently, rather to my surprise. <laughs> but, you know, but I won't be retiring on the proceeds, I can tell you that. And the next meeting is April of the executive is April of next year at a Congress in Vienna. And these are the, as it were, the guilty men and women. Uh, so it does draw very widely with members from across Europe, from Syria, uh, from places like Australia, North America, and the, the 
group is also setting up local shearing committees. Several now exist. One is being formed in the US with Gilstein from Chicago as the chair. And we're now seeking to create one in UK. And I'll be talking about this at the British Association of Renewist and Archaeologies meeting in, of all places, Lampeter uh, in January. Yes. But you know, the UK has had quite a substantial involvement in Syrian archaeology and will have detailed records for sites like Telbrak, Nebimend, Jarablus, Andarin, Chaga Bazaar and so on. So again, we have a considerable amount of expertise and there are a number of regional survey projects that were carried out by British teams. And again, even if the records that were left in Syria have been lost and damaged, the records that came back to the UK should still be in existence. And this is a diagram that explains the Shirin framework. I'm not entirely sure I understand it either, but if you've, if you've got 10 or 15 minutes, you know, go on the web and if you work it out, do tell me. And if you can tell me where I fit, even better. <clears throat> yes, right. Okay. But if you are interested, have a look at the website and uh, we will be doing something in January about announcing the setting up of a UK arm of Shirin to try and capitalise on the expertise and knowledge that we have and make that available to uh, all those trying to protect heritage. Thank you.